Hallelujah. God bless you all. You may be seated. We have a special treat for you today. It's been uh, several years, actually, since Sister Sarah has come to speak to us on Mother's Day or at any time. And, you know, I didn't even ask her to. She just said, you want me to speak on Mother's Day? I said, absolutely, I want you to speak on Mother's Day. So why don't you give her a warm welcome as she comes to speak. Amen. Happy Mother's Day. I realized that I haven't been up here in a while, and um, sorry to, I hope I'm not downing anyone's day. I just, if I can't get through this, I realized that um, I haven't spoken since before my mother-in-law and sister short passed. And before I would speak every time that week, I'd usually call her and she'd be like, just, and she would always just say at the end of our conversation, just say what the Lord told you to say. And so right now I just keep thinking of that and I haven't thought about it all week until I sat down here this morning. And that's all I can seem to think about right this moment, but um, that goes along right with what I'm about to talk about. So uh, what I wanna talk about this morning is assembly required. So I have had a jumble of thoughts rolling around in my head over the past couple months, uh, thinking about what I wanted to speak about today. Um, and I felt like God kept giving me little pieces here and there, but he wouldn't fit them together. Um, I keep, kept feeling like every time he would give me a piece, he'd be like, yep, this too, talk about that. And I was like, that doesn't relate to this part at all. But he kept giving me these little pieces. Um, but as a side note, I don't know if you notice this in your life, but I notice this in mine. In general, I think that God works in these patterns where he does that to me all the time, whether it's just how I'm living my life or something he wants me to speak about. It's like, here's a piece, here's a piece. They don't look like they go together at all, but I'm gonna make it come together. Um, and the last piece of this didn't even come up until this Friday, but it all finally came together and I was able to sit down and collect my thoughts. Um, but two months ago, I was thinking on all these things that I just felt I was supposed to put together and I kept trying to read the Bible, uh, find specific verses that went with these thoughts and pray about it because I couldn't find any verses that I felt fit exactly what I was feeling. Um, and I kept waiting for the specific passage to jump out at me, and it wasn't. And he just never came around to that idea of looking for a Bible verse. So I started meditating um, on this seemingly random jumble of thoughts and putting these little pieces together. And then my thoughts gravitated towards Legos. Um, but no sooner did my mind wander to Legos, that I heard God say that right there, that's what I want you to talk about. Um, when I was thinking about Legos, I think about how kids approach them in different ways. If you gave Maximus a Lego set that had instructions, you were gonna follow those instructions. And if you're like, oh, let's add this piece. No, that's not what the instructions say, Mom. It says to do this. So Maximus was very by the book. Audrey, she would always like to follow instructions. Sorry, I'm not trying to embarrass you. Sorry, go like this as soon as I said Audrey. Um, she'd follow the instructions, but she'd put her own flair to it, either halfway through or like at the end, she'd be like, ah, I didn't really like that part, let's take it off and replace it with a different color. Um, but she would always add her own flair. And I'm sorry, I keep losing my place because I'm a little emotional at the moment, I apologize. Sorry, she would ask for my help. She would say, do you like this mom? Or 
I can't get these pieces apart and I want this piece to go here but doesn't want to fit there. Um, and then you have Parker, who's come to my house many times and dumped out my entire box of Legos, which has several kits in it, <laughs> um, because he wants to see what he has to work with. He wants to look at it all first. And sometimes he'll pick up instructions, um, but a lot of times he wants to make his own creation. And we've made cars and fire stations and police stations and all different kinds of stuff. Um, but we actually don't have any of those kits. He just creates it on his own. <laughs> Uh, and one time we went to Legoland when the kids were littler, and it's really amazing if you've never been there. Like literally everything is made of Legos, even some of the buildings you can walk around in. So if you have a chance, go to Legoland, um, and they have a store there that far surpasses the display of Legos you'd find at Walmart. It's pretty amazing. So I love I loved going to Legoland. Um, but Ol Kirk Christensen invented the Lego in 1932. His products were made of wood, and his primary cash inflow was brought by selling ladders and, ladders and ironing boards, for which the demand had fallen sharply during the global financial crisis. Um, he had to find a new niche to save his business, and he found it in the production of wooden toys, because the demand for them continued to be unabated even during hard economic times. His principal assistant was his son, who started working with him at the age of 12. Having launched a toy production, he started looking for a name for his company. He instructed employees of the factory to suggest the future of the company uh, or a name for them. There were many ideas, but in the end, he chose a name he came up with himself, the word Lego, which is derived from the Danish word leg and got, which together mean play well. A few years later, Ol Kirk learned that the phrase in Latin meant I put together. Obviously, awareness of this fact seriously impacted the future of his, his, his company. The earliest Lego sets did not have instruction manuals. They were sold as sets of building blocks without any specific models in mind. I found conflicting dates, but the first kits with intended builds were sold somewhere between 1949 and 1955. But even then, there were only a few. The majority were just sold as a set of blocks that you could create with. So they may not have directions per se, but they always said assembly required. But you were instructed to be created. About a month ago, here's another piece that came to me separately. I was listening to a podcast, and the man they were interviewing asked how he continues to keep working on himself. He had been through a lot of trauma, and how he continued to have this mindset of growth. And he responded, I look at myself as assembly required. Immediately, the thought of those Legos popped into my head, and then I started to realize and relate this to the idea of motherhood. We start out our journeys with ourselves and our child, and we may not have very specific instructions, but some assembly is required. We have to start to build ourselves into mothers and create a life that includes this new being. When we become a mother for the first time, we don't know at all what we're doing. We could read all the books, but we still don't know what we're doing. Um, when I first brought Maximus home from the hospital, and Dan had to leave for work. I think he was working at Walmart at the time. He left, and I was alone, and I remember looking at Maximus and bursting into tears <laughs> because I said, I'm really sorry that I'm your mom because I don't know what to do now. Like, I had never been given a newborn baby. I'd held plenty of babies, not a newborn, and not mine, that nobody was going to help me with later in the day. I just was very sad because I realized I had no clue how to do this. The past few years, I've also had the privilege of a very new perspective 
it's one thing to become a mother, but I think it's a very different kind of experience to know what motherhood is like and then watching women that you have known since they were little become mothers. Um, it's a unique experience to know that motherhood can not only be beautiful and joyful, but sometimes stressful and scary and difficult, and then watch other women take that on. Um, my sister, Felicia, she just had a baby in January, or February, and my sister, Adrian is due the same week as Lauren is due. Um, a cousin of mine uh, has a one-year-old and who had some very scary health concerns. They're still trying to figure out what's going on with her because they thought she was having seizures. Um, and now that they mostly rule that out, she's still handling this scary situation uh, with calm and grace. And it's just amazing to watch her develop into this mother. Friday, I was able to go visit Caitlin and her baby in the hospital. And Caitlin has always been shy, but over the years she was in youth with me, I got to see her open up. Um, she would crack jokes and sometimes she would join in the other youth and be really loud. But in new situations, Caitlin would get quiet. So the other day when I walked into Rainbow Babies downtown, I was preparing my mind to be this encouraging rock for her in a very new situation with this very shy and meek girl. Um, she was having to watch her preemie who's going through some pretty scary stuff. Um, but when I walked in, <laughs> Caitlin was so calm. And I found this young mom who was very sure of herself feeding her little baby in this very awkward way because he couldn't be picked up, but he obviously wanted to be held. Um, but she just knew exactly what she was doing. And I was so proud of her. Um, the nurses came in and they were saying, we checked this and this and this and this. And Caitlin said, yeah, but did you check his blood pressure too? Uh, I, was, I was floored. I was thinking because if it was me, I'd probably be in a puddle on the floor. I assumed Caitlin would be the same, but she had so much strength and I was so proud of her. And so I called and asked her if I could share this with everybody else because I was just amazed by her. And so all of these young women that I'm watching as new mothers in the stage of beginnings of motherhood, their assembly is required. So, uh, when I first met Lauren, <laughs> uh, when she was very young, and I remember like one of the first things she said to me was like, you wanna come see my room? <laughs> Can you talk to me about Harry Potter? Can we do this? We, what, there was like a list of things she wanted to do together and it was really sweet. She wanted me to teach her swimming lessons. Um, she wanted to talk to me about everything, and now she's a mom to a pretty amazing five-year-old, and Princess Zoe's on the way. Um, my childhood friend, who was told she'd have a miscarriage and probably never have children, is having a baby shower next week for baby number three. And really, really, in saying all this, I'm realizing just quite how many pregnant women I know, um, but these are just the ones that I've known since childhood. Um, so with each new child, though, they have to grow and build and create a new space for who they are as a mother because their assembly is required. There are situations you go through in different stages of motherhood we have, where you have preteens, teenagers, who are starting to look at where their life is gonna go beyond you as a mother. They are going from this little life that always seeks to be by your side to a very independent young person. And many times they're testing those boundaries and trying to make sure, as mothers, we're trying to make sure they head in the right direction. We as mothers also have to balance our fears and concerns while we're encouraging them to go out into the world. We may need to restructure part of our creation and be creative in a new way to mold and fit this ever-changing young person. 
So your assembly moms, it's required. The reality is being a parent, no matter what stage, is difficult. It requires constant growth. Assembly is required. As Christians, we would say yes, but we have the Bible as our guide and an instruction manual. And a lot of times when people say that, I'm like, yeah, but the mothers of the Bible didn't have that. And that's who a lot of times we're looking to. But I also believe God was very deliberate when he describes motherhood, because I don't believe he focused on this is what you do with the child. I focused on he said, that he said, here, mom, this is what you're supposed to be. He's telling us that we need to be examples for our children, and they will become what you show them and what is right and acceptable. I also believe he was intentionally general and maybe somewhat vague on purpose to handle many situations for a few reasons. First being that his word needed to transcend time. That's the most obvious one. Different generations and the way the world works changes. And if he included every specific circumstance, we'd never be able to get through the Bible. It'd be way too long. Second being that it leaves room for your creativity, your assembly. He provides a general guideline for things with very few specifics, but he leaves room for you to add your own flair. He knew that I won't handle a situation the way you would. I might handle a situation and say, this doesn't work for me and start over and try again, whereas wherever, whatever I tried the first time might work great for you. I have met some amazing women who inspire me and I admire them as mothers, and we parent very, very differently. They have strengths that I don't have and vice versa. Thirdly, I think, it, I think he wanted us as mothers to have this beautiful bond that we can help each other grow through. I don't think he gave us all the instructions because I, I think he wants us to learn from each other. He knew that sometimes you might need help and guidance from other mothers and that there would be a need for ladies to, feel, to fill where you feel you may lack. We may want them sitting beside us as they're building and creating who we are as a mother. Um, my grandmother was one of those people for me um, she was one of my favorite people in the whole world, and she was really warm and funny. Um, like when we had all of our family over, even when she was yelling at us, she was funny. Because um, we had 20 cousins. I'm one of 21 cousins, first cousins. And we'd all be running around, and she'd send us outside probably 10 times before she yelled at us, but eventually we'd all end up arguing. And my grandmother, who was probably this tall, would come running outside with whatever spoon she had in hand, because we're Italian, she was cooking, and she'd say, hey, Fight nice. And we'd all start laughing at her, and it would end the argument. <laughs> or because there were so many of us, she would never get our names right when I'd walk in the door. She'd say, look at me. And she'd say, hey, Misty, Adrian, Felicia, Stacy, Sarah, that's your name. <laughs> Every time. She never got my name the first time. But before my grandmother passed away, she actually lived right around the corner from here. And once Dan and I got married, I started biking over there every single week. Once Maximus was born, I would either walk or drive to her house, and we would just sit there. And coincidentally, she always had the big Lego blocks for him to play with. Um, and there were so many times I felt lost in the world, especially being a new mom. And she was able to help me and just listen. And when she passed, I felt like this beautiful relationship we had built got disassembled. I felt like part of me was disassembled, and I felt very lost. The person I always turned to was gone, and I felt very, very empty, and I didn't know how, but I knew I needed God to fill that void. And maybe like six months later, I can't remember exactly the time frame, but Sister Solomon was going through some really hard things, 
And I remember just calling her and talking with her, and she was sharing with me. And so eventually, I shared with her, because she would tell me about things that she missed about people that were gone from her. And so I told her about my grandmother and the pain that I had felt. And one day she said, you know, Sarah, you're like a granddaughter to me. And I said, oh, that's really nice. I appreciate that. She's like, if you'd like, I'll be your adoptive grandmother. <laughs> and I felt like God just filled that void right there. And so now I have someone that I get to call and listen to and talk to, and they listen to me, and I talk to them, and they pour into me. So sit next to other women, hear them, let them hear you, and share together and grow. It's an amazing thing that we as mothers have this experience, and we can bond over it. And I believe God was always leaving room for that. So this morning, let me leave with these thoughts. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. God gave you some general guidelines, but he designed you to build upon yourself into this beautiful woman that you are. And he doesn't have a specific manual for you. You are unique as the children you bring into this world. Follow his guidelines, but be creative in every stage of life as you assemble the pieces. Happy Mother's Day. Thank you, Sarah. I, uh, <clears throat> this morning, wrote down some things I've learned from my mother and from my wife that, that make a good mom. So as we're coming to a conclusion today, it's not a top 10 list, perhaps in no particular order, but I have nine of them. So I, I've, I've learned these things from both my mom and, and Sarah, that, that these things, though it's not an exhaustive list, these, these things make a good mom. Number one, pray with and pray for your kids. Let them hear you pray. Let them hear you pray out loud. Let them hear what it sounds like. Number two, whip your kids. <laughs> Don't beat them. But when they deserve it, whip them. I know there are people in the world who don't believe in that at all, and those people need to read the Bible. If you spare the rod, you spoil the child, and it just is true. Don't beat them. Don't, don't leave them within an inch of their life. But, but if they deserve it, and sometimes they absolutely do, and sometimes I absolutely did. I remember one time I got that whole like uh, swing around in a circle whipping from dad, you know, like the momentum that you're running away and it's just like a tether ball as you're whipping them in a circle. I got that once. Number three, hug your kids. Hug them a lot. They love hugs. Number four, sing to your kids. Sing to your kids. Even if you don't have a great voice, mom sang to us, or at least I heard her singing and Sarah sang to the kids, and probably still does when I'm not around. Number five, and I probably have to lay this at the feet of Sarah more than even mom, read to your kids. Read to your kids. You want them to be a reader and to be thirsty for knowledge? Read to them a lot. Uh, number six, let them get hurt. Now, I know moms probably aren't as good at that as dads, We'll be like, yeah, jump off the roof. I don't care. Go right ahead. But, uh, you know, find, find some latitude for them to be able to get hurt. 
And when they get hurt, number seven, bind up their wounds. Bind up their wounds. And this, this is where the, the, the good mom excels and the regular dad fails. What, I can't remember if it was a Wednesday or Sunday, what we were doing at the church. The kids were playing in the gym a little bit, and they're just roughhousing, doing whatever. And uh, someone ran in and said, oh, Maximus hurt himself or whatever. So I go into the gym, and I'm like, oh, he's fine, honey. She's like, well, he's got to go to the emergency room. He's got to go to the I'm like, he's fine. Nothing wrong with him. He only had a broken wrist, you know. <laughs> no big deal, right? But, but <laughs> I thought he was fine. She's like, no, look at him. He's all pale. He's, There's something wrong. There's something wrong. Yeah, I missed that one. You got, you got a good mom, kids. <laughs> I thought I checked him out. Yeah, Dr. Dan, good job. Number eight, number eight, take them to church. Take them to church. Don't send them to church and you're not there. Take them. Take them. Make sure that they know it's important, and it is. And number nine, uh, number nine, Mom was great at this. Sarah is great at this. Listen to them. Dads are not as great at this. I try to be. I try to listen to them. But there are times where Sarah will catch me like, you know, you're not hearing what they're really saying. That's not what they're actually describing. You've got to listen to them. You listen to them. Great moms listen to their kids. They know what they're actually saying. They know what the, they're, they're actually describing, what they're dealing with, what they're going through, how they really feel. Great moms listen to their kids. Amen. Why don't you stand to your feet today, raise your hands towards heaven. Let's thank the Lord for good moms, good mothers, good wives in this life. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you put this amazing thing in the lives of human beings, this unparalleled, irreplaceable thing Lord, those today who, who go through life without a mom, I pray that you send them a surrogate. Send them, oh God, someone that can speak to them as only a mother can, with softness, with tenderness, with nurturing, with a voice that gives them the lessons that only mom can teach, not simply how to cook, but, but how to love and, and how to be tender and how to be full of life that only moms carry. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen, 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 amen. God bless you all. You're dismissed in the wonderful name of the Lord.